Hello, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this week we are here with Season 6, Episode 21, I Never Cheered for My Father. What a weird episode title. I think it's I, based on I Never Cried for My Father or something, which is like an old movie or play or huh. porn. Okay. I don't know. Porn makes sense. I can see it being porn. <laughs> um, let's jump into the episode because I think we have a lot to talk about today. This week's all about daddy issues. Yay! All right, here's the description. At Tina's, Leslie and Warren, this is urging, Will tries to find out if there's a new woman in his father's life. Jack's son decides to try out for the high school cheerleading squad. Okay, so here's my favorite thing about this episode, is that so much of the plot centers around Will's father, who does not appear. Yeah, I thought that was a weird choice. Like... Why would you write this episode? I mean, I know why you write this episode, because it's hilariously funny. But why would you write this episode and never have the dad appear? All I can figure is that they maybe came up with the concept, and then last minute the actor wasn't available or something. Well, and and to a certain extent, I don't think the character of the father, like having him not present, did not impact the plot in any way. No. It was just very strange. It was a, a, a weird, a weird choice. Yes. It was just very unnecessary. Yeah, so essentially the episode opens and Will is contacted by Tina, mm-hmm. who comes to him and is like, I think your father is cheating on me. I can't believe I can't find a married man who wants to be faithful to me. And it's just like, honey. Yeah, Tess has a lot of feelings about Tina. I just have realized, especially in this episode, that I just can't fucking stand her. Like, I just, I have no love for Tina. I find nothing about her appealing. I don't find her particularly funny. And this episode, I was very distracted by the either bra or camisole of her costume that was, like, (laughs) visible the entire time. I don't know. I just don't really have a lot of love for Tina. So I was, like, already, like, oh, fuck, it's this episode. Yeah, it's... It's an interesting dynamic because Tina, for so long, has been Will's father's mistress. Right, and now she's Will's father's girlfriend. Yeah, and we saw the other side of this earlier in the season where Will is taking care of his mom for a couple episodes. Who is very forlorn and depressed about the divorce. And then fell down a staircase or something. She hurt her leg, and then briefly they had like a sort of psycho thing happening. (laughs) Whatever happened to baby Jane? Psycho's the one where the mom is dead and he's wearing her skin or something. You're right, you're right. That was the guy that he dated. Yes. That had the psycho thing going More on. More of a psycho thing for the guy he dated. Um, but the the twist in this episode, which I think is a particularly exceptional twist, and I think it's part of the reason why the dad isn't involved, mm-hmm. is because we meet the other other woman. Yes. And it's Will's mom. Yep. So Will's parents are back together, sort of, but like as an affair. Yeah. It's kind of like, I feel like that dynamic comes up every once in a while, but only on TV. It's hilarious. It's very the parent trap. I'm so into it, though, as like a as a conceit. I find it hilarious when people who were together and one of them was being cheated on mm-hmm. eventually come back together under the same circumstances because it just shows that people are fucking stupid and don't learn anything. Right. People are just so fucking dumb. And like, I think in my, my, not experience, but my understanding like of human relationships and anecdotal evidence, it seems like when this happens in real life, it's more like, they split up and then get back together because they regretted splitting up. Mm-hmm. Less like they split up, but then rediscover their love for each other with the thrill of the affair. Right. Um, it's also kind of the plot of the movie. It's complicated. Yes, that's true. Which is really funny where like Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin start having an affair. Mm-hmm. 
and their marriage had initially ended because Alec Baldwin was having an affair behind Meryl Streep's back with this, mm-hmm. like, sexy Hispanic woman. Oh, yeah. I don't remember the name of the actress or who it was. I don't remember either. But, yeah, so we this is a trope, and we've seen it, but it, it is kind of funny. Um, but, it's especially funny because Blythe Danner is so good in the role. Yes. Like, she really... Um, I really her character didn't land as much in early seasons because she was playing this, like, really brittle, traditional, waspy character. And she's really hit her stride in later seasons mm-hmm. where she's playing this woman for whom this wasp facade is not working anymore and yeah. she's breaking free. Right. You see the cracks sort of start to show up in the facade and now she's sort of completely shaking it off. And it's really funny to see this very, like proper and tight-lipped woman mm-hmm. be like, William, I feel like I'm a spy. A sexual spy. <laughs> well, and I need to seduce the enemy with only my body. And he's like, Mom, I don't need to hear it. it. It's just so great because Will is so aggressively unnerved by the situation. Like, it's it's a lot of things. It's not just the sexual spy dynamic. It's the fact that, like, she's, like, aggressively chill about him being gay now, which was yes. never a thing. Right. She was always a little, like, hmm. But now she's like, Will, I need you because you're my gay son and none of my straight sons could help me. Right. And he's like, thank you, I think. Yeah. And um, there's a whole bit where they explain that his mom explained what pookie pookie, meaning sex, was to him. That's a disgusting um, euphemism. Yeah. It just when, sounds gross. When he was a kid using his G.I. Joes. And if you think that that did not cause something, some stirring. That explains a lot. To happen in his brain. You're wrong. But admittedly, it's probably smart for the mom to, like, meet your kid where you're at. Yeah, I'm very much in favor of when you're giving, when you're giving your kid the sex talk, you don't leave it simply at, like, procreation and heterosexuality. Mm-hmm. I think that's very limited scope. So, like, mm-hmm. kudos to Blythe Danner for being inclusive a little bit there. She was probably also on her, like, fifth gin and tonic. So. Probably. 100%. You know. But it's just, it's such a fun dynamic because you have a character who has been around quite long enough. That she has a pretty standard characterization. Mm-hmm. And this season, they've really given Blythe Danner a lot of leeway to play with that. Yeah. And it works well because Will becomes unstabilized by it. Yeah. Every time his mom doesn't behave in a very particular mom-like way, mm-hmm. he's very shaken and very... Stirred. Frazzled. <laughs> shaken, stirred, you know, like a good martini. Right. Um, but he, he's very unnerved and weirded out by it. And so his reactions are hilarious right. to the audience. It takes it to a very intense level. Like, usually in a Will and Grace episode, um, like last week, we have two similar plot lines, and we have, like, the normal response from Will and Grace, and we have the crazy response from Jack and Karen. But... Blythe Danner brings Will to crazy very quickly. She's the one who brings out the crazy in Will. And it's very funny. Um, So essentially, once Will finds this out, he's quite pleased to discover his parents are sleeping together again, and he kind of is like, woohoo, mommy and daddy are back together! And he, like, calls Grace, and then there's this whole beautiful scene, because Grace isn't in this episode, I believe. More pregnancy shenanigans were happening while Mm -hmm. the filming was happening, so Deborah Messing wasn't available. Um, So there is this beautiful scene where we get a one, one side of a phone call with Will, where he's like, yeah, they're, my parents are back together. It's really great. And then he's like, are you peeing while you're on the phone with me? And then you hear some silence, and he's like, yeah, but when I did that, I at least had the I had the decency to pee quietly around the bowl, mm-hmm. um, which is why I want to take a break briefly to just solemnly swear to you, Matthew, that I will never, ever pee while I am on the phone with you. I will never pee while I'm on the phone with you either, Tess. That's beautiful. Our friendship is... It's secure. 
It's secure forever. <laughs> um, but after all of this, Blythe Danner shows up to continue shaking up the storyline. So it doesn't simply become, oh, my parents were having an affair and now they're back together. But instead, she's angry that Will kind of told Tina mm-hmm. that his dad was with someone else because she didn't want to get back together with him. She wanted to continue having an affair. Right. Like, I, I think that's the other thing is that, like, Will's parents are at a point where they don't really want to be married no. to each other or to anyone else. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very clear that Blythe Danner does not want to get remarried. It's very clear that whatever Will's dad's actor's name is, because I've forgotten both of their names. The it character something, I think. I don't you're right. Um, but he doesn't want to be married. He doesn't want to settle down with just one woman. He wants to have his, you know, quote-unquote wife and his quote-unquote mistress. Yeah. And if those two people are playing opposite roles, he doesn't really care. No. Um, he's a two-woman man, and I think we can all respect that. Yeah, and so, <laughs> I mean, it's weird. And so, like, his mom, like, Will is just, like, kind of floored by this. He's like, you don't want to get back together with Dad? He's like, she's like, no, I don't want to get back together with your father. Our, our relationship fell apart. Mm-hmm. And he's like, because you stopped communicating? And she's like, no, because we were bored. Will, cheating is fun. And it's so <laughs> funny, because, again, it's just this very bizarre choice to have Blythe Danner be the person who's just like, cheating is great. Definitely do it. Blythe Danner's like, I recommend it. Have you ever thought about it? And it's like, there is something to like. The version of cheating they portray in this episode is so vicariously fun that you can't almost fault the characters. Like, I mean, a little. You can a little fault the characters. You can be like, this is morally iffy, but like, I mean, yeah, the sneaking around, Mm -hmm. the, the making up. The, the, like, times and places to meet. Like, except the, for the other person. They're describing a fun relationship. Right. What they're describing is, like, a fun, like, element of surprise and role play mm-hmm. in your relationship. Well, and here's the other thing that I think makes the episode very good at threading the needle between what's morally appropriate. Yes. Is that at the end of it all, Tina shows up while Will is talking to his mom. And, like, Will sits them down and is like, you both have to stop this. Mom, go back to your husband. Tina, I'm sorry. It's over. Mm-hmm. And they leave his apartment, and they're like, so obviously we're not going to do that. Oh, yeah. And so essentially what happens is Tina and Blythe Danner come up with a sort of, like, shared custody contract for yeah, Will's it's father. it's fascinating. It is fascinating because it, like, it seems akin to some sort of open relationship uh, slash, like, polyamory situation in which they agree that Tina will be Will's father's primary partner, but that he's allowed to have sex with Will's mother as long on as... On Mondays and Wednesdays. Yeah, something. as long as they agree to some certain terms. And yeah. so it's like... On the weekends, Tina gets him. Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, Blythe Danner gets him. And Tuesdays mm-hmm. and Thursdays, he's allowed to rest. Yeah. And we all know on Tuesdays and Thursdays, he's got a fucking slide piece. Like, oh, of course. But, like, it's just, it's such a brilliant conclusion because it is so in keeping with, like, the theme established in the episode, which is that these people really enjoy, like, the thrill of cheating. And this is the most appropriate way they can get it, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, I mean, technically speaking, all members are now informed and consenting, so... Um, I mean, they don't know that all They don't members... all know that they're informed or consenting. Yes. But they all individually are aware of the situation and are consenting to it. Right. It's, it's kind of a weird situation because, like, it's technically morally ambiguous for Blythe Danner and Tina to keep this from Will's father, but it's more morally ambiguous of him to be cheating on Tina with Blythe Danner... So I think it evens out in their favor. Yeah, it's sort of like the two mortal strikes kind of cancel each other out. Yeah. Like, I think he's sort of a dirtbag, 
But they've agreed that he's their dirtbag. So they're fine with it. So they're fine with it. Basically. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I think they'd both go after him if he starts sleeping with someone else. Oh, yeah. I probably. mean, this is basically the plot of Big, Lo- or, uh, Big Love on uh, HBO. I thought that was about sister wives. Well, yeah, kind of. But, like, the house is thrown into turmoil when a third sister wife is brought in. Oh. And, like, it opens with, like, the... Re- not immediately after that. But, like, that's the basically the main conflict is that, like... So, to do a brief Big Love recap, basically you have your standard, you know... Normal, red-blooded American wife. Then you have wife number two, which is like, you know, you don't really love her as much as, like, you sort of got guilted into taking a second wife by the cult that you're sort of a part of so that they'd stop bothering you. And, like, that's fine, because it's someone to help with the housework and, you know, whatever. Marriage is complicated. But then there's, like, the third wife, which is, like, the young, sexy wife. Mm. And that's really where the conflict comes in. Because, like, wife number one and wife number two, like, can agree to disagree, but they're both kind of, like... Mm, I don't think so. Three. Yeah, it's really weird. You know what probably would have solved all of this? If they had just literally fucked wife number three. Probably. You're not wrong. Mm-hmm. There definitely is... Yeah, between... Um, I don't remember what their actress names are. Jennifer Goodwin and Chloe Savini and the other one. Definitely there's like a lesbian sensation happening between all three of them. For sure. Lesbian sensation is the name of my <laughs> pop cover act. Where I just take all pop songs and make them gay. Lesbian sensation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's a fun way to resolve the episode. It, it makes you think. Yeah. All right, so let's shift into another father-related plot point. This and one's much heavier. This one is a lot heavier. So this week we're, we're talking about uh, Jack and Elliot's relationship, which is especially interesting because, like, Four episodes back, we had this moment in which Jack genuinely forgot that Elliot existed. Yeah, like, I think that this episode must have been the planning stages when that happened because, like, they definitely, like, dovetail together perfectly. Mm -hmm. Because you basically, you have an episode where Jack forgets that he has a son, and then you have an episode where Jack's son calls him and is like, I want to hang out, and Jack's like, "Mm, I don't want to do that. Yeah, and so the opener of this scene is Elliot's on the phone, and Jack's like, "Mm, tell him I'm not here. (laughs) And then, um, basically the only reason he gets on the phone with Elliot is because Elliot says that he's trying out for the cheerleading squad. Which is a huge red flag, frankly. A little bit, yes. And so he wants Jack's help to prepare him for this tryout. And so we have this very funny and hilarious scene in which Jack kind of teaches Elliot how to cheer and mm-hmm. do some cheerleading moves and they practice a routine. And Elliot's just awful. I he's mean, of awful. Course. And, like... He has no rhythm. He's very straight boy about it. Like, he's clearly not super interested in cheering. Mm-hmm. Like, upon second watching, it's very obvious that that's, there's something else afoot. Right. And so, rather than go for the easy story, which is that Elliot's trying to impress a girl on the cheerleading squad, mm-hmm. we kind of take, like, a, a slightly sadder turn. Yeah, so, what happens is that he doesn't get on the squad, obviously. Naturally. Um... But then Jack is like, oh, no, you're all of the men in our family have been cheerleaders, which is patently not true. But and whatever. also very confusing, because if you recall, several seasons back, we learned that, like, Jack's paternity is very much in question. Yeah, and so I don't we, know. we never really get uh, confirmation as to whether or not this is his biological father or his adoptive father. But anyways, um, what we end up with is this kind of weird plot where Jack goes and berates a bunch of high schoolers. And in the middle of berating the high schoolers and trying to prove that Elliot wants to be on the cheerleading team, 
Elliot's like, I don't want to be on the cheerleading team. Yep. And so he kind of point blank tells Jack the only reason he even did it was to get Jack to pay attention to him. Which is sad. It's fucking sad, dude. It's really heartbreaking. And then we get a little bit more backstory. Like, um, Elliot has been calling him every Friday to see mm-hmm. if Jack wants to go to one of his basketball games. Yep. And it seems like he's really doing his damnedest to try and connect with Jack, and Jack's just not interested. Mm-hmm. And, it's and it's a real bummer. It's very interesting because it seems like... I'm trying to think of how to say this. The show doesn't really give Jack the benefit of the doubt here. Like, it really has Jack kind of sit down and say, you're right, mm-hmm. I screwed this up. I did the same, or my, I did the same thing with my dad. You know, he had his little manicure stand on the side of the road. And his dad never wanted him his to do his His dad never wanted a manicure, which I wouldn't want a roadside manicure either. But Something I guess. Roadside manicure sounds like a euphemism for some kind of It sex. does. It really does. Like, it's like a hand job that you yeah. get at a truck stop or something. Um, but it's, it's interesting to get that real about it. Yeah. Like, it's not just like. It's not just a one-off of, like, ha-ha, well, I'll spend time with you now, Elliot. It's, like, Jack, like, really realizing, like, oh, wow, like, I'm perpetuating this cycle. Mm-hmm. And, like, saying he's going to do better, but not really super confidently. Yeah. And it, it's also, I think, again, it really hammers in how far and how willing Elliot is to connect. Because the first thing he says when he hears the story about Jack's father not being interested in a roadside manicure is... I let you do my nails. That's the saddest oh, part of the episode. God, it just like got me right in my heart. Like he is like so willing to do anything yeah. Jack wants just to spend time with him. No matter how like mortifying and embarrassing it is, he's like, like I will happily get a roadside manicure. And that's the thing that's it's so interesting about the episode. I don't think that Jack actually clicks on that. Mm-hmm. I don't think he realizes exactly how desperate Elliot is. I think he's only thinking of it in terms of himself. He's like, mm-hmm. oh no. I've done this thing that my dad did. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very telling. Um, yeah. I I don't know if it's 100% intended to be there or if it's just the way the episode just happened to get written. Right. And that being said, it does kind of lend a little bit more, like, I'm struggling to figure the word that I want here. Like validity? Yeah. It, it lends a bit more validity to the interpretation of Elliot that we see in the revival. Mm-hmm. Where we know that he and Jack have fallen out of touch and they only reunite over Elliot trying to send his child to gay conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, again, Elliot is a very sensitive kid who seems so desperate to connect with his gay father that it sort of seems out there that a person with two gay parents would send their kid here. But, but this is the first episode where it's made sense to me. Right. If they did experience this huge falling out and everything about Jack's gayness kind of became aligned with his, like, um, absent-mindedness, mm-hmm. his absent-fatherness, like, I could totally see that kind of warping in Elliot's mind that, oh, obviously the reason that my dad sucked was because he was gay and mm-hmm. I can't let my child be gay because then he will suck too. Right. Well, and I think as far as we know from Elliot's perspective... He's not really being raised by parents who are queer parents. And I think yeah. that's a factor as well. Yeah. I mean, we only have seen his mom the one time. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't really seem to be raising him. I mean, doesn't he even not really know that she's a lesbian or something? She hasn't come out to him, no. Right. And I mean, part of it is because she's a single mom and I am assuming not doing a whole lot of dating. So it probably, to a certain extent, hadn't really come up yet. Right. Um, And she was kind of angry with Jack because his very visible queerness sort of made her have to confront this with Elliot. Right. 
But right. you're totally right. There's no sort of like queer coalition co-parenting happening here. Right. They are raising Elliot as if they are parents who happen to be queer. Like, I think best case scenario, based on this episode and like really trying to put Elliot in context. I mean, from his perspective, he got at best average parenting mm-hmm. from two parents who happened to be gay. And there's really no, I don't want to say no reason. I could very easily see in a scenario where he moves to a state that's much more conservative. Mm-hmm. He mar- marries someone who's much more conservative. He lives in that more conservative bubble. It's not inconceivable that his views could shift from what is arguably not that far of a position from, I guess, gay conversion camp isn't that bad. Yeah. It's not like being gay is the worst thing in the world. I don't think he ever espouses that even in the episode. Mm -hmm. It's, I think that this is a fine thing to do for my kid. Yep. And you can kind of see like this episode here with these sort of seeds of discontent that like it makes sense that eventually that might grow and become a sort of gay conversion therapy isn't so bad attitude. Right. Um, I don't know. It's just like a really, the episode takes on a totally different light in in regards to the revival. Right. It's still sad if you don't consider the revival, but in context with the revival episode, Mm -hmm. it just, it's kind of heartbreaking. Like this is clearly a pivotal moment. I don't know, not being the person who's seen all Will and Grace, I don't know if Elliot makes any more appearances in season seven or eight, but if this was his last appearance, this would make sense. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you whether or not it's his last appearance. Uh, that's fine. Because spoilers. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. So just kind of a, a down note to end yeah. the episode on. I guess we should have done these in the opposite order. Oh, well. Yeah, life goes on. Sometimes you just got to end on the bummer. Wap, 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 wow. Cool. Do you have anything else to say about this episode? No, I'm just going to be sad now. Okay. Well, I'm going to very sadly tell you where you can find us on the internet if you want to find places in which you want to be sad together. Um, so our main internet location, our main internet home, is our Twitter page. We are at Not A Couple Show. Um, we post about the episodes, we post any Will and Grace news, and during the regular season, we live-tweet the episodes. Um, but if Twitter's not your jam, you can also find us on Facebook and Tumblr. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, congratulations, you figured out one of the three places that we posted, but if you need to hear which ones those are, those would be Podbean, Apple, and Spotify. All right. Thanks so much for listening to us, everybody. We will be back next week with more Will and Grace. Yay! I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this has been Not a Couple. Bye-bye! This episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cast. Meow. Hi, Liza. Stay frosty. This episode of Not a Couple was sponsored by Secretly Polyamorous Relationships. You'll never know if you're in one, unless you're on the right end of it, I guess, maybe, who knows? Don't do that.